welcome to the 12th episode of our podcast series for advisors considering the independent space. Today's episode is a multi-generational indie breakaway story. I'm Mindy Diamond, and this is Mindy Diamond on Independence. This podcast is available on our website, diamond-consultants.com, and on wealthmanagement.com, as well as iTunes and other resources. Today, we're speaking with Jason Court, president of Quadrant Private Wealth. Jason and three other Merrill advisors made the leap to independence back in 2014 with the help of Focus Financial Partners. And while it's always interesting to hear one story about a journey to independence and what propelled the decision, this one has a unique backstory. One of the founding partners, Herman Ridge, who now serves as chairman of Quadrant, was at the time what most people in the industry would consider a Merrill Lynch lifer. With more than three decades, actually closer to four, with the firm, he certainly could have decided to ride out his career there. But instead, he, along with other Merrill advisors, Jason, Corey Lannan, his daughter, and Brian Court, decided there was a better way to serve their clients. So they built their independent firm, as Jason says, brick by brick, guided by doing what was right for their clients, and then took the statement moving up, both literally and figuratively, landing their new firm on the 11th floor of the same building some eight stories up from where they started their practice at Merrill. So why would a veteran advisor choose to start over when he could have just sat back and rode off into the sunset on the amazing career and business he already built? And how does a multi-generational team get everyone on the same page to make that leap to independence? Jason shares that and more in this candid interview. So, Jason, I'm so grateful that you're joining us today. If you would, let's start. Give us a little background. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your business, about the team, how long you've been independent, and a little just perspective about where you were beforehand and the size of the business. Sure, Mindy. Thanks. I'm happy to share. So I started my career at Merrill Lynch uh, a little over 20 years ago, um, and within a couple of years at Merrill, where I was obviously initially working on my own. I was fortunate enough to form a partnership with Herm Ridge, who had built a great business with great clients over the previous three decades or so. And it was a start of a partnership that continues today, although obviously there have been some changes. And the team grew while we were at Merrill. And for the most part, uh, we were successful and, and we were happy. And we, we both, uh, as well as everyone on the team, thought we'd be at Merrill Lynch forever. Then came the 2008 financial crisis, and I think a lot changed then, uh, a lot changed for everybody. But in particular for us, when Bank of America bought Merrill, that was really the start of a cultural shift that ended up at our independence. And maybe at first not much changed, but, but gradually we felt that our ability to do what was 100% right for the client in all circumstances was compromised. And from an administrative perspective, working at a larger firm, we often say that we felt like we were being eaten to death by a goldfish one nibble at a time. Nothing in and of itself was so awful. But after a while, when you're going into the office in the morning, 
and you're just not having fun anymore, it really caused us to, to start to look for alternatives. So how long have you been independent? When did you break away? And if you can just, again, give us a little perspective, how much an asset did you manage just before you broke away? And how sure. much are you managing now? Sure. We left Merrill in May of 2014, so almost almost exactly four years ago, although the process probably started six years ago. And at that time, we had a little over $600 million in assets among individual clients, which is primarily our business. No institutional accounts, no 401ks, just working with high net worth individuals. We're pretty gratified that while we, in the process of, of creating Quadrant, we obviously hoped that the vast majority of our clients would come with us. And turns out the number was around 98%. So we left a couple of investments behind because we couldn't transfer them over. That's subsequently been dealt with. But when we started Quadrant, we had about 550 million. Four years later, we're knocking on the door of 750 million and have a pretty clear path toward a billion, which is our goal. And we'll hit it. Not sure if it's over the next two or three years or four or five, but we're on our way. Well, that's extraordinary. And we're going to talk as we move through this about what you feel is most responsible for that growth and that future growth aside from your hard work. But let me ask you some other questions on background. So senior partner Hermridge was a lifer with Merrill there for more than four decades or almost four decades. I remember him telling me when he moved that the day that you guys broke away from Merrill, he wore his tie with the bulls because he had always been so committed and certain that Merrill Lynch was where he was going to begin and end his career. So in and of itself, it makes that kind of move almost unheard of. Historically, once a team or an advisor reached, say, 25 or 30 years with a firm, between the amount of unvested deferred comp he walked away from and just the emotional attachment he had to the firm, it makes a move much less likely. But for Herm, he also happened to be 70 years old or so. So what was it that you think that drove him to leave Merrill Lynch? Do you think he's glad he did? And how do you think he reconciled the, I've been a lifer and totally loyal to this firm, and now I'm leaving to go independent, no less? Herm's always been an inspiration and is consistently guided by doing what's right. Right for clients is obviously important, but also right for maybe junior partners, for colleagues, for our families, for the community. There really isn't a selfish bone in his body. And, and I think I, I, can, I, I can say that working with him for now over two decades, he would clearly acknowledge that his life over the last few years would have been easier had we simply stayed at Merrill. Inertia being what it is, we all would have been fine. He's had to put a lot of hours uh, of, of extra work in, but I think he's more invigorated by the work today than he possibly could have been if we were still at Merrill. While he acknowledged that life has been harder, it's been more worthwhile for him. And he's extremely glad he did what he did as, as we all are. And I'm, I'm kind of reminded by that famous Robert Frost poem that, you know, taking the road less traveled and making all the difference. I think that couldn't be more accurate when, when we talk about why Herm did what he did, why our team did what we did. Without hesitation, we'd all make the move again. Yeah. So let me ask you a question just relative to that. So a move is always scary for 
anyone at any age of any size of any length of service. Do you think that while there might have been some trepidation on the part of all the team members that the day you broke, do you think that there was a greater sense of trepidation on Herm's part, just given the amount he had to lose and the amount he had vested in Merrill Lynch? Probably. It's been such a, a journey over the last four years that some of those memories gradually recede. But but ultimately, we, you know, we all had a lot to lose. You know, he, he had obviously a, a, a career and a reputation in, in four decades, but at the same time, Herman would have been okay no matter what. His concerns were probably different than some of the junior partners' concerns. But I, I think one of the things that makes us such a strong team is that I don't think anybody throughout the entire process put their own self-interest ahead of anybody else's. We truly thought as a team, I was more worried about if Herm was going to be okay with this, then I was worried if I was going to be okay with this. Mm. And he would probably say exactly the same thing. So we are blessed by having just surrounded ourselves over time with just wonderful people that we we kind of knew we'd figure it out together because we're all philosophically aligned. We're all committed to the same, the same things. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it a wonderful team, just like a wonderful marriage that everybody's in it for each other and not just one person is what makes it great. So let me pivot for a second. You mentioned the kind of growth you experienced, that you broke with about $550 million under management. You're now at about $750 and see a pretty clear path to a billion in short order. So I'd love it if you'd share with us, what do you really attribute that growth to since the launch of Quadrant? How much of an impact do you think being independent had on that growth? And do you think that you would have grown as much in the same period of time had you stayed at Merrill or as an employee of any other firm? The answer to the last question is no, we wouldn't have had the same growth opportunities if we were at Merrill or or any other firm. And I think logically, as, as we set out to design Quadrant from the ground up, we, we built a firm that was solely focused on meeting the needs of the people that we wanted to serve. And so naturally, I think we, we built a platform that enables our growth in a way that a platform and an administrative bureaucracy that was designed to meet the needs of, I don't know, 15,000 advisors and, and a bank's profitability could not. So ultimately, we've been able to build Quadrant solely for the purpose of meeting our clients' needs and attracting new clients. I could talk for hours about this, about sort of specific examples, but when we were at Merrill, we thought we had an open architecture. We thought that we could do whatever we needed to meet the needs of our clients. And it turns out there was obviously plenty of, of resources and plenty of things that we could do when, when we were in a wirehouse model. Our eyes were truly opened about all the things that we can now do that we could never do before. Different types of planning, different types of investing, different types of, of services that our existing clients appreciate, that open the door to new prospects, that allows us just to be truly holistic in, in, in everything we do. There are so many specific examples, it's hard to pick one or two. That's wonderful. We hear that a lot. How did your clients respond at first? Who is Quadrant? What is independence? We know who Merrill Lynch is, who is Quadrant, is one of the biggest statements we hear from advisors that are still employees at the wirehouses or with any name brand firm that say, I believe that 
it is my name brand firm. It is Merrill Lynch on the door, Morgan Stanley on the door that keeps me successful or is a big part of the reason that we grow or bring in new prospects. So how would you respond to that belief? Do you think that that's true? And how did your clients and prospects respond to your independence versus being an employee of Merrill Lynch? I'll start off by saying that it was universally a positive response once a few questions were were answered. One of the challenges through the process, obviously with the protocol, we couldn't tell our clients anything beforehand. And what that meant is that we had to make a couple hundred phone calls on uh, on a Friday afternoon in May of 2014 that surprised a lot of people. And you don't like to surprise people that have given you complete trust over some of the things that are most important and dear to them. But that was the first 45 seconds of of the conversation. And then maybe the next part was, here's who Quadrant is. Here's why we did it. We did it for, you know, what what we think is, is your best interest. Here's why your assets are safe. And once you sort of got through some of those early parts of, of the conversation, I think unequivocally, we heard sentences like, that's awesome. Why didn't you do it sooner? (laughs) or we couldn't be happier for you, or most importantly, perhaps, okay, where do I sign? We built Quadrant brick by brick to be a perfect landing spot for us and and our our clients when we left Merrill. But ultimately, the enormously positive response that we got from clients was just a true validation, not of the work that we put into building Quadrant, as much as just the, the enormous trust that we had cultivated with our clients who, in most cases, are our friends, whether or not they were our friends in the first day of our relationship with them. That's sort of the, the kind of relationships that we build. We're one big quadrant family, and we, we were happy that everyone, with very few exceptions, decided to join us on, on this journey. And as happy as we are, I think if you asked our clients, they would echo the sentiment that they're happy they're on this journey with us. Yeah, I think what you just said is really the key. If an advisor has always done right or a team has always done right for his clients or their clients and you develop a sense of trust, then when you or when the advisor calls to say, I've chosen to pivot or move and do something that I believe will be in your best interest, it's hard not to have success with that. And that speaks volumes. The kind of success you had in terms of portability and now growth speaks volumes about that trust. So no surprise. So you mentioned, you know, our pitch was we'd always do what's in your best interest, meaning the clients. So in your opinion, how is your being independent? How is what was the Ridge Group and now Quadrant better for your clients? And is there anything that you were able to do for your clients as an employee of Merrill that you can't do for them now as an independent? You know, one of the typical answers that that you'll hear from RIAs, and we, we heard this when we were still at the wirehouse, was talk of the fiduciary standard versus suitability. It might surprise you that I would think that we are always acting in, in the best interest of our clients. So that wasn't really part of the conversation. It's always been in our DNA to do what is right for the client. And our our model has always been, we spend all the time doing what's right for the client. Eventually, we're going to be okay too. Since we built Quadrant to be purely focused on doing what is right for the client in terms of all the necessary resources, all the necessary products, all the necessary services, all the necessary everything 
to be their true partners in the preservation and the growth of their wealth over time. There's nothing that we can't do today in a better, more holistic way than what we could do at Merrill, with a single exception. And that single exception is we're not a bank, and therefore we can't give you a credit card, we can't give you a mortgage. But I'm pretty sure that we can go to their mailbox and get them a dozen credit card advertisements on a monthly basis. And it was pretty quick that we could develop some strategic relationships with people locally that could meet the mortgage needs of our clients. And at this point, I'd say that our clients' mortgage needs are better than ever. Again, it's a small part of our business, but I have to go that far down the list of things that made us successful over time to find an area where we can't do it better and more efficiently in our new world. But that's really by by design because we spent two years building Quadrant for exactly that purpose. Right. I love that comment. Essentially, you decided that independence was going to be a better way for you to do business, for you to run what, again, was the Ridge Group, now Quadrant, but you built it with what was going to be best for clients in mind. Exactly. I think that that's really exciting. Let me ask you a question. Back to Hermridge for a second. I know from having worked with you in those days that one of the biggest issues was, and mostly for the younger generation who was protective of Herm, of making sure that from a financial and emotional perspective, Herm was protected. And Herm had the most to lose financially by way of a whole lot of unvested deferred comp after a 40-year career with Merrill. How did you wind up addressing Herm's succession needs from a financial perspective by going independent? There's a short-term and a long-term answer to that. I'll start with the long-term because that's a simpler answer. And that's long-term, I think, that Herm and everybody else will be better off because we have a business that we own that is growing and that we can control and that we can be flexible and and we can work around Herm's needs in the next five or 10 years, my needs in the next 20 or 30 years, whatever they may be. So long-term, we're all going to be okay. The trickier part was the short-term because clearly there was a risk. While we thought that the vast majority of our clients would come with us, there's that point when you jump off the ledge, uh, you hope that you've calculated correctly because the biggest risk was if we weren't as successful as we thought we would be up front, ultimately, using myself as an example, I would have had plenty of time to figure it out and make it up over the coming decades. Not so much for someone who is in his early 70s. And so one of the things that we had to do was find a partner that would not only give us the skill sets to create a very sophisticated business so that we were up and running on, on day one and we wouldn't make any rookie mistakes. We couldn't afford to make rookie mistakes, but also gave us a little bit of capital up front to make the walk away a little bit more palatable. Not completely palatable, but something so that you know we weren't going from a big number to, to zero uh, in Herm's case if, if this didn't work out. And we, uh, we did a lot of kicking the tires and, and ultimately partnered with Focus Financial out of New York, who at the time we were the 29th or 30th partner firm, and they continue to grow sort of at a similar pace of, of what, what we're growing at. They've been a partner that really helped throughout the entire process with all the succession planning and all the business running needs that, that we were presented with.
tell me a little bit about the other options you considered at the time. Given Herm's, the amount of money from an economic perspective that Herm was going to walk away from, no matter where you went, I know that at some point you had looked at deals from the other wirehouses, which four years ago were at or approaching high watermarks. There were certainly other options you had considered that in the short run, as you put it, would have allowed you to monetize for a greater amount. So can you talk a little bit about those other options that you considered and what ultimately made you choose independence? Sure. As you alluded, when we started getting frustrated with Bank of America and and Merrill, our first thought was not independence. Our first thought was something more in our comfort zone. Hey, let's go look at the UBSs or Morgan Stanley's of the world because we could pretty easily do a apple to apples comparison. Uh, And we actually got far down the path with Morgan Stanley to the point that we basically had a term sheet in front of us that had a lot of zeros and we were very flattered. But on the drive home from their headquarters, the four partners, we spent an hour talking. We came to the conclusion that the only reason we'd go to another wirehouse was for the check. And as nice as that check would be, we'd be really asking our clients to go through an awful lot, really for only our personal enrichment. And that's not who we've ever been. And that's not who we were going to be, regardless of maybe what the, the, the short-term impact would be on, on our, our bank accounts. So we decided to stay at, at Merrill. We decided that we weren't going to move just for the money. And we literally closed the chapter on on leaving until a, a handful of months later, and I can't remember if it was three or, or six, the concept of independence or quasi-independence started coming up again. And it wasn't that anything awful in that interim period had happened at Merrill, but it was just more more of the same, more and more frustrations that were were growing and building. So we kicked the tire with Hightower. We took a look at Dynasty. And at the end of the day, nothing quite seemed seemed right. And I can't put my finger on it, but we weren't going to make a move unless we were 100% sure it was in the best interest of not only us, but our clients. And then... We had a meeting with Focus Financial, and we took the meeting because we, we knew somebody that knew somebody and had every sense that it was going to be a quick, polite meeting. Matter of fact, Herm wasn't even going to come, and he said, oh, okay, maybe I'll try and stop by late. But it was one of these meetings that the minute you meet people that, you know, you, you can look them in the eye and you realize that there's a, there's a shared philosophy and a shared commitment to everything that you value, and it's people that are willing to work on a handshake and work in good faith. It was literally one meeting that turned into two, that turned into four. And there was so much inertia that before we knew it, we said, wow, we're doing this. We're going independent. And thank God we had a a really strong partner that could steer us in the right direction about here are the decisions that you need to make. Um, Here are the things you can think about later. I remember at first getting the playbook, which I think contained 142 different to-do items. And each one of those to-do items might have had two or five or 10 subparts to it. I mean, it was overwhelming, but that's why it took two years. You know, I mean, it was work, but it was, well, I think the transition to independence can happen faster. We were just really methodical and careful to make sure that in our 45 second break between resigning on the third floor of Merrill Lynch and starting quadrant on the 11th floor of the same building in May of 2014, that was the break we gave ourselves. And we had to be up and running with everything thought through. And that takes 
some combination of time, energy, and in our case, a, a great partner who could, um, could, could make it all possible for us. Got it. One final question, and I ask this of everyone I interview. Any regrets about having gone independent or things you would have done differently? Any surprises? Anything you'd share with us? You know, I mentioned earlier that our clients asked us, why didn't you do this earlier? That's one of the things we thought about, but don't spend too much time thinking about that simply because nothing we can do about it. We can put more energy you know, thinking about how we can get better going forward. So really, really no regrets. There have clearly been plenty of learning experiences. While I think that our path over the last four years has been successful by almost any measure, I can't say that it was all 100% smooth sailing. You learn things when you start running a business. You know, one of the things that we've always been very good at, I hope, is finding new clients, working with existing clients, doing the things that a financial advisor does for 20 years or 40 years at Merrill Lynch. The running of a business is a whole different skill set. And early on, we thought, the partners thought that we could not only work with our clients and grow our business, but also run the business. And that turned out to be a bigger time proposition than we probably would have appreciated upfront. And so, you know, I mentioned that we recently within, you know, with about a year ago, hired a chief operating officer. We probably should have done that two or three years ago in, instead of a year ago. But those are the kind of learning experiences that we're not fans of, of looking backward because we can't change that. You know, the question is, how can we be better tomorrow? How can we be better next year? How can we be better next decade? Very, very few regrets. Just have an awful lot of reason to be very thankful and very optimistic about the future. That's great. Jason, thank you so much for sharing your inspirational and amazing story with us. It's exciting. It's interesting. I think it will resonate with a lot of people. And we wish you much continued success. You the same, Mindy. Thanks very much. Thank you. I think you'll agree that the Quadrant story is a really interesting one. To be guided by doing what's right for your clients is what I hear many successful advisors say. And in this case, it's really exemplified, particularly by the dedication of Herm Ridge and a team that has been invigorated by taking the road less traveled. In our next episode, we'll be looking more closely at one of the points we discussed in this interview. Why independence is better for advisors and their clients. So I hope you'll join us. Until then, I encourage you to visit our website, diamond-consultants.com, and click on the tools and resources link for some valuable content. And if you're not already a recipient of our weekly email, Perspectives for Advisors, click on the blog link to browse recent articles. Feel free to email or call me if you have any specific questions. I can be reached at 908-879-1002 or by email at mdiamond at diamond-consultants.com. Please know that all requests are handled with complete discretion and confidentiality. I thank you for listening. I also want to thank wealthmanagement.com for sharing this podcast with their viewers and subscribers. This is Mindy Diamond on Independence.